Welcome to the Daily DDT Podcast, part of the Fan Sided Podcast Network. Here's your host, Jaden Becker. AEW draws record low viewership for Friday Night Dynamite. WWE Draft reportedly returning in August, and similar to other sports, it's never too early to talk about the draft. I give you my thoughts and some early predictions for the WWE Draft coming this fall. I'm Jaden Becker, and welcome to the Daily DDT Podcast. AEW draws record low viewership for Friday Night Dynamite. This episode featured Mark Henry's advertised Dynamite debut, plus Dustin Rhodes defeating Nick Camarado in a bull rope match main event. This episode reportedly drew 462,000 viewers on TNT, according to Nielsen via PW Torch. The show drew a 0.19 rating in the 18-49 to 49 demographic, which would be the lowest rating in that demo in show's history. Friday Night Dynamite drew the lowest audience in the history of the show as well, down 12.17% from last week, and obviously with that total of 462,000, uh, down about 500,000 viewers in about a month's time. Obviously, the time change doesn't help, but definitely notable given uh, how AEW ratings have been so praised, if you will, in uh, the AEW's history in the past two years. Uh, everyone looks at these AEW ratings and, and, and screams through the roof, oh, this is the greatest thing you've ever seen in the world. And yes, AEW is a fantastic product, but uh, this was one of the episodes of AEW Dynamite that I wasn't really too happy about. Uh, it was sort of up in the air for me after double or nothing I felt it did really feel like a victory lap for AEW didn't feel like they put in much effort so uh, I'm curious why the the internet wrestling community and Twitter haven't exploded like they do when Raw falls down to 1.1 million you know I I wonder I wonder where that was so obviously a bad really really bad week last week for ratings wise for pro wrestling but there's a lot going on in the world right now uh, I guess you know you have a, a NHL hockey going on you have some NHL hockey in the playoffs. You have the NBA playoffs. So if that's taking away some numbers, I get it. But uh, and also AEW falling to the ten to twelve time slot. Uh, you know it, it hurts for sure. It definitely hurts for sure. And, and I I get it. But and I also I hope you sense my sarcasm when I talk about the internet wrestling community and Twitter. I get it. You know a lot of AEW fans out there. So. Moving on to our, our next piece of news, uh, WWE Draft reportedly returning in August. The current plan for the 2021 WWE Draft is to hold night one on Monday, August 30th during Raw and night two on Friday, September 3rd during SmackDown. This is all according to Andrew Zarian on the Matman podcast. He has been right in the past about a lot of timing and a lot of dates in the past. He's been right about uh, SummerSlam and the location of SummerSlam. He's been right about uh, the return of, of wrestling to fans in July he's been right about Thunderdome changes and everything like that uh, he's been right about a lot of other other uh, dates and and um, WrestleMania dates as well so he if I said it before and I'll say it again uh, we have a lot of news sources in the world of professional wrestling uh, Andrew Zarian is the calendar guy he's your schedule man so Andrew Zarian if anything's going to be with scheduling he's your guy so <laughs> Andrew Zarian uh, I'll continue to stick with him and his sources and whatever he's got rolling on with the Madman podcast, uh, whatever he's got going on, I'll continue to stick with it because he, he's he's been right in the past. <laughs> so August 30th Raw is currently scheduled for uh, Chesapeake 
Energy Arena in Oklahoma City. And uh, September 3rd, SmackDown is currently scheduled for Vistar Veterans Memorial Arena in Jacksonville, Florida. Ooh, it's a SmackDown going into some AEW territory. Legit, look at that. That's fun to see. Going run, running around on the on the AEW round. I wonder how that's going to go over. Uh, WWE now, obviously, after making Jacksonville, AEW making Jacksonville their home, as much as made uh, as, as WWE made Madison Square Garden their home back in the 60s and 70s and things of that nature. It, Jacksonville is the home of AEW. So I, I wonder how that's going to go over. I believe you've seen it in the past, but no, nothing to the extent of where AEW stands now in the world of professional wrestling. So maybe back in 2019. I'm not even sure if WWE made that trip. So now definitely making that trip after the, being in the thick of it of the pandemic in, in Jacksonville. So very, very, very fun to see for WWE to make that trip. But the draft... Coming soon, coming soon, and after the break, after I talk about some Monday Night Raw, I'm going to give you some early draft predictions, so make sure you stick around the whole way through. Speaking of last night's Monday Night Raw, here's my review of it. I have a few notes and analysis of it, of course, as I do for uh, every episode of Monday Night Raw, which is always a tough thing to get through because of the three hours. But this wasn't wasn't too, too bad. It maybe except the ending. Also, I'd like to say my pen ran out of ink halfway through of this, so I had to switch to a new pen. Not not uh, very too excited with the new pen I got going. I got to go back and, and get some of my old pens back. Alright, June 7th episode of Monday Night Raw started off with a tag team battle royal. And the winner of this tag team battle royal would go on to face AJ Styles and Omos in a future date for the Raw Tag Team Championships. Uh, RK Bro, Lucha House Party, or one half of the Lucha House Party as Lince Dorado was, uh, excuse me, Grand Metalik was, was injured for this match and Lince Dorado was one fighting. For the Chaz party in this one, Mason T-Bar, the New Day, and the Viking Raiders all in this match. Uh, AJ Styles and Omos pick fun at every tag team. That lasts a little too long for an opening segment. The Miz enters in a wheelchair, of course, with his uh, torn ACL, and John Morrison enters the Battle Royal in uh, respects to his team. Very funny way to uh, open the show. The Miz rolling down the ramp. In slow motion, as John Morrison does his entrance, that was very, very funny. I thought that was hilarious. The Miz looked great. Uh, triple RKOs from Riddle and Orton to start the battle royal. Viking Raiders surprisingly win this entire battle royal after a miscommunication between RK Bro and an elimination of Kofi Kingston. Viking Raiders will go on a future date, probably most likely at Hell in a Cell, to take on AJ Styles and Omos. Uh, AJ Styles and Omos probably going to get put over here, but I still like the fact that they, they did not lose their love for the Viking Raiders, the WWE, even after injury of Ivar uh, being out for such a long time, getting back into the swing of things and getting right back into the title picture. I, I, I enjoy that. I genuinely enjoy that. Would I have liked the Viking Raiders to maybe go through a feud with another tag team that doesn't have to do anything with the title? Sure. I, I, I would prefer that over anything else, but... I think we're seeing that in another department with uh, RK Bro and New Day feuding, which has been fantastic, absolutely fantastic, because you don't feel like there's there's too much stress involved with having to go for a title, and once you fall off, you fall off. The Viking Raiders, it shows a sign of respect that even though you're away, we're still going to give you an opportunity. And I think I think it's really really nice uh, that that they're continu- continuing to stay in the thick of things even after being away for so so long due to injury. 
Moving on to our next segment, Elias and his promo said that he had to cut Jackson Riker out of his life as Riker was a ghost of war. Riker enters as he has a shaved head and a trimmed beard. Still has a, a beard around his chin, but it's, it's slightly trimmed. And Riker attacks Elias, and Jackson Riker is assumingly the babyface in this situation. This turns into a match as Elias takes on Jackson Riker one-on-one. Elias in control with a huge spine buster. And as soon as Riker starts to pick up the pace, Elias walks out. And Riker wins by a countout. Elias just walking away up the entrance ramp, letting the referee count to 10 there. Uh, good to see Jackson Riker back. Just odd to see him uh, face, especially after his past. I, I think they might have taken him off. Uh, they would have taken him off TV for for something or for, of that of that matter, uh, given that they just took him off TV so abruptly last week after uh, Elias just walked out on him. So very confusing. He never, Jackson Riker never got to speak his piece. But either way, uh, you know, a lot of people aren't happy to see him on TV, and I could sort of be in that group as well. Especially all the stuff that that came out during the um, Black Lives Matter movement and everything like that. Uh, how Jackson Riker was so vocal on social media against it, and a lot of people feel that Jackson Riker should have been punished along with his forgotten son members who didn't really even do anything. Jackson Riker should have been the one to get punished, and the other two that were a part of that ended up getting fired down the line. Meanwhile, the one that did cause all the commotion was Jackson Riker, and he's still with the company. So maybe was he trying to work a gimmick as being a part of the forgotten son's gimmick? Obviously, uh, it could be go both ways when you look at it uh, from... Um, that type of perspective, but it's it's really, really tough. Really, really tough with Jackson Riker because a lot of people just don't want to see him on the television. And I'm sort of staying in that, that group as well. But uh, I guess the more that WWE shows us to him, <laughs> shows, shows him to us, you know, it, I guess we're sort of going to have to accept it more and more and more, but I don't know how much more people are going to want to accept it, especially now if you're trying to turn him face, especially now that you're trying to turn Jackson Riker face. It's just... It leaves a sour taste in all of our mouths and in some way, shape, or form. Moving on to the WWE Championship contract signing. Lashley doesn't enter when asked at the beginning. McIntyre tells a story about an old Scottish king and a spider that goes uh, on and on about uh, how the spider couldn't stick to the cave walls, but then he finally did, and then the king was like, oh, I could do that. And uh, the, the king then fought to victory. Uh, in a in a war for Scottish freedom, he then goes on to sign the contract. MVP appears on screen and uh, enters a little bit la- later after speaking for a moment uh, with his lovely ladies, uh, with both Lashley and himself. Lashley wants this to be the last time McIntyre attempts for the WWE Championship against against him. And then McIntyre, in order to accept that stipulation, McIntyre says he wants to have the match inside of an Hell in a Cell. Both accept and sign. Uh, instead of the two brawling after a contract signing, as we usually see, McIntyre takes out his Claymore, as in the Claymore sword, and destroys the table that they signed the contract on. The The ladies behind him, obviously very confused, as a couple, a few were cheering for McIntyre, even though they were there with Bobby Lashley. A few were confused where they're just, why does this man have a sword? <laughs> Which was uh, very funny, very, very funny, I would say. Uh, but uh, not a way to end the contract signing, but very unique from a WWE perspective, given that usually they always end in a brawl. 
But instead of ending in a brawl in this case, they ended with a with a, a sword swinging across the ring and and destroying the table. Which I'll give them credit where credit's due. That's the first time I've ever seen that. <laughs> so <laughs> instead of just the two brawling as 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 usually they do, the the, the sword sent a, a lot of impact. So I'll I'll, get, I'll give credit there. And uh, I, I'm I. You know, the pay-per-view is titled Hell in a Cell. I'm hoping all the big matches are inside of Hell in a Cell. They at least need to do three, given that that's the pay-per-view name. Obviously, I don't even want to see a Hell in a Cell pay-per-view at all at this rate because, you know, you, this match stipulation of Hell in a Cell could honestly be used any time throughout the year. Uh, you know, you could use a, a, any of the four major pay-per-views and anything like that. I remember as a kid, you used to see Hell in a Cells at SummerSlams and at WrestleManias, and you know, and I guess they still do it to this day. But when now that you had the Hell in a Cell pay-per-view, you know, you're sort of stuck, obviously, to having it all in one night. And if you don't have many at all, then what was the point of having it all in one night? So right now, I think there's two scheduled: the Rhea Ripley and Charlotte Flair match for the Raw Women's Championship, and also now the WWE Championship. I'm hoping one more, or at least. I guess one more comes from SmackDown, and that would be Roman Reigns versus somebody. Maybe Roman Reigns versus Jey Uso, or somebody, Roman Reigns. Or even if you don't want to go that route with Roman Reigns, which I assume you do, given that you know he's the number one guy. But if you don't want to go that route, you can go uh, Bianca Belair and uh, Bailey. I almost said Sasha Banks, Bianca, Bianca Belair and, and Bailey go one-on-one in a Hell in a Cell. And then move on back to Sasha Banks at, at SummerSlam. So I think that could be the route you can go as well if you're talking about the WWE um, SmackDown Women's Championship. But, you know, the SmackDown got to get some love too in the cell. You know, can't just have all all uh, Monday Night Raw. And, and also, uh, I also don't like the color of the cell nowadays. They made it all red. I'd rather have it just gray. I don't like a nice gray cell like how it used to be. But I don't know, the red... The red doesn't do much for me. I wonder how they got it all red. Did they dip it? Did they dip every piece into to red? Did they spray it down? Oh, um, the questions that go through the mind of a, the Daily DDT podcast host, Jaden Becker. All right, moving on to our next match. Ricochet versus Humberto Carrillo. Winner of this match will get a future title opportunity at Sheamus, assuming they a hell in a cell, but they don't say that. Sheamus ringside for a closer look, and Sheamus wearing a mask for his nose that was injured by Humberto Carrillo last week. The uh, forearm shiver to the nose, and we even saw on uh, on social media uh, Sheamus giving a thumbs up, saying that his nose is all right, but his nose is pretty banged up pretty bad. Winner takes, uh, as I said, a, a match for uh, against Sheamus for the United States Championship. Quick start for these two high flyers. Dive to the outside from Humberto Carrillo. Spanish fly to the outside was a fantastic spot from Ricochet and Humberto Carrillo. But sadly, it was absolutely ruined by both men being counted out with a double count out to end the match. And then with Sheamus music playing, standing tall, walking out, acting like the victor. Uh, it made no sense to me, you know, for these two to, for, to both get victories over Sheamus and then not, neither one to come out on top. I guess it continues to put everyone on the same playing field and it, yes, it's probably going to lead to a triple threat match. I, at the same time, yeah, it, it kind of works. It works. You know, it gets Ricochet an opportunity at the United States Championship. It gets Humberto Carrillo an opportunity at the United States Championship. But in, in my mind... Similar to, I know we're going very different trajectories here and very different storytelling and everything like that. 
But I, it's just sort of the same way I looked at the Kenny Omega and Pack and, and, and Orange Cassidy match. You get Pack and Orange Cassidy a title opportunity towards the AEW Championship, but you sort of know Kenny Omega is going to come out on top, given that it wasn't a one-on-one storytelling opportunity. It, it, it was made to make Kenny Omega look stronger. I think this match is also made, possibly in the future, if it does turn into a triple threat, to make Sheamus look stronger. Obviously, very different belt worths, if you will, between the United States Championship and the AEW Championship. Obviously, very different uh, contender worth when you're talking between Omega and, and Sheamus and you're talking about the challengers in, in Ricochet, Humberto Carrillo, compared to Orange Cassidy and Pack. I know we're talking about apples and oranges here, but the only similarity being that the possibility of turning the two matches into a triple threat match, and in this one, the United States Championship's case, uh, it would, I think it would just be made to make Sheamus look stronger going forward, especially after this double countout. I just hate to see double countouts, to be honest with you. I'd rather see a victor. I want to see a winner to my matches. And the double countout, if it comes after a long-winded match and something like that, where these two are just clawing and they just can't get back into the ring, that's a little bit different. But this match lasted six minutes. So, you know, it's a little bit different. A little bit different. Moving on to our next match, Jeff Hardy versus Cedric Alexander. Hardy hot early on, but Alexander finds his bearings, choking Hardy with the ropes. Uh, Hardy doesn't back, doesn't back down, however, as he does have some comebacks and a good back and forth in this match as well as Alexander gets some offense in. Alexander knocking uh, Hardy down onto the mat and heads up to the top rope. Alexander ends up mocking Jeff Hardy on the top rope doing the finger point to the sky and all stuff like that. His cockiness allows Hardy to reverse. Hardy connects with the Swanton Bomb and wins the matchup. Uh, Alexander get, gets puts in his place here. I do want to see Alexander win some matches. Don't get me wrong, just because he's the, the heel in this case. You know, and, and who is he putting over here? The Jeff Hardy? You know, he's not putting over a young guy either. Alexander, in this case, is the young guy. And he should be, you know, getting some wins. But nope, hasn't gotten many wins, if any. He did win his series against his three-match set with uh, Shelton Benjamin. But that's one thing, breaking out of a tag team. And now you break out of the tag team, and you sort of want, you know, the guy, the individual star, the single star, to break out into his own light. But you're not really getting that here as he loses to uh, Jeff Hardy. So uh, a lot for ground for for Alexander to cover, but I think he can go only only up. Well, that's not really true. He he could just be put in, off TV in general. You know, he he could just not be on television. So he he just has to start winning matches in my eyes to, for him to become legitimate, not as a legitimate contender for a title, but just to become a legitimate character in the WWE to become a legitimate uh, superstar because. Yes, right now he's stuck in, in, in no man's land. He's, he's stuck in, in limbo. Again, we all know his talent. We all know what he can do. We saw with NXT. We saw with 205 Live. We saw all the matches he had with Mustafa Ali and, and, and everything. You know, he, he, he's able to put on great matches. But I, there's no thought in my mind that, that tells me otherwise. We all know that. It's just he has to be able to do it on the main roster level. And I feel like he's being failed a little bit, knowing that he has so much potential in there, he's just not being used in a way, well, he is being used, he is being put in matches week in, week out, he's just not winning most of them, I just need to see him win some more matches in my head, to make him a, a legitimate character in the WWE, 
You know, I, 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 I need to see it. I need to see it because just for the WWE to break him out of a tag team doesn't automatically put him in, in contention realm for me. You know, yes, it's a great first step. And I think that was the whole point of the, first, of the Hurt Business is that you put the Raw Tag Team Championships on him. You put him with Shelton Benjamin, Bobby Lashley, MVP. You legitimize him. You make him look real strong. You know, you even have a great storyline with him in the Hurt Business. Some of the best work Raw did throughout that whole pandemic was the Hurt Business and, and Cedric Alexander still acting uh, childish compared to the to the veterans. But it, it, it set him on like a... Uh, like a let the kids play type of dynamic uh, with 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 uh, Cedric Alexander, where it's sort of the youth movement, which I thought was really really nice. But now, I'll, once he leaves that group, now it makes it look like the the youth movement fit was failing or it's wrong. So it, maybe he needs to find a mix of both. So uh, I could be looking a little bit too deep in it. It could be just be really bad booking from WWE, which it probably is, which it probably is. But I'm looking for a silver lining because I want Cedric Alexander to succeed. Moving on to our next match, Nikki Cross and Asuka taking on Rhea Ripley and Charlotte Flair. Of course, WWE once again to creative telling us how many times can we tell the same story over and over before they catch on. I believe they told the same story with Sasha Banks and Bianca Belair. We saw the same story with uh, Rhea Ripley and uh, who she faced for the Raw and Asuka, you know, for the Raw Women's Championship. We see the same stories all the time, you know. We, we, we see where, oh, we're feuding, and this is specifically for the women's division. We're feuding for a title. Oh, I don't like you. I don't like you either. Let's team up for a night due to Adam Pierce telling us so and whatever, whatever. You know, it, it, it's it, it's the same thing over and over for the past three stories, for the past two championships. Come on. Come on. I thought, and and I, I could be very wrong here. And I know Tyson Kidd has been has been ahead of of creative for for the women's and producing a lot of these great women's matches. And yes, the matches have been good. It's just the storytelling for have been really really tough, man. Because we're seeing it over and over and over again. That's my problem. You know, if we if we see it once in a blue moon, where the the, the two rivals have to team up, you know, I'll be okay with it. But we see it all the time, and, and I feel like it does nothing but hurt both of them. Especially if they lose that matchup, which they should lose that matchup, especially if they're going against an established tag team, which sometimes we do see them face, but in this case, obviously not with Nikki Cross and Asuka. So let's get into the match. The match moving a little slow until Flair struggles with Asuka. Asuka, uh, and I, excuse me, Flair attacks Ripley on the outside. And yes, you heard that correct. Flair attacks Ripley on the ex- outside as their teammates uh, when provoked, but they still continue the match. Flair tags in Ripley with a chop to the chest, and Ripley returns the favor with a, a pat to the head of Charlotte Flair. Ripley and Flair fight each other on the inside of the ring. Yes, and all the action I've talked about so far in these notes have been Ripley and Flair, the two teammates fighting in this match <laughs> against each other while they are teammates. Natural selection from Charlotte Flair as Nikki Cross pins Rhea Ripley to win. Very odd, but I know Cross is, has a lucky horseshoe somewhere because she has been pushed to the moon and back. Well, uh, yeah, they probably told, yeah, we're, we're going to use you, Nikki Cross. And they've used her to no end have they used Nikki Cross. And it's worked out great for Nikki Cross and has worked out terrible for everyone else in this case. Uh, Rhea Ripley looks weak as could be, crawling into 
uh, Hell in a Cell, Charlotte Flair looks weak as well after losing not only this match technically, and also now going on to to lose the match last week that she had against Nikki Cross. So the, I'm waiting for them to pick up. You know, you're supposed to be picking up wins and picking up a head of steam as you head closer and closer to your pay per view match. But no, let's lose as many matches as possible so no one is excited to see us wrestle against each other one on one. I guess you can argue that the storyline perspective makes it a fun argument. But now that they've. The, the story wrote itself. It was very easy. It was very, very easy, I thought. You had the match at WrestleMania 36 for the NXT Championship, right? Rhea Ripley was the holder of the NXT Championship, and now Charlotte Flair took it at that WrestleMania 36, surprisingly. So, and did nothing with it on NXT, of course. Now, same type of story here, same type of idea. Rhea Ripley now makes it to the main roster. She's the Raw Women's Champion. Charlotte Flair did a good job milking the fact that she wasn't part of the WrestleMania card, and if she was there, she would have taken it off her. She, she would have been the one to to win it at WrestleMania 37 if she was on that WrestleMania card. Milking that, I thought that was good in the beginning part. But now, in fact, this has turned into something way more than, than that. This is just them losing matches here and here out. If, if, if this was just a story of Rhea Ripley now saying, I'm going to change history... Once again, when you and me face each other, now for the Raw Women's Championship, a championship that you defined, a championship that you you changed a whole era of women's wrestling for, Charlotte Flair, this is Rhea Ripley speaking to Charlotte Flair, I'm going to be the one to retain, and I'm going to be the one in the future to change women's wrestling once again. Boom, there's your story. You know, Rhea Ripley trying to define a new era of women's wrestling because of the belt that she's holding. You know, that much like how she tried to do in the past with the NXT Championship. So, I feel like you had it right there, right in front of you. No, now Nikki Cross is the greatest thing since sliced bread. But she hasn't been used in over, uh, since, since, uh, since Alexa Bliss kicked it to the curb. So, yeah, I guess it's great. Great for Nikki Cross. I, I love it. It's absolutely fantastic for Nikki Cross. But uh, it, the waters have been so muddied for this championship match that should have written itself. Should have written itself. Anyway, moving on to our next match, a uh, fun match in the fact of the, the name in this, the names in this match are just supreme. Mansoor versus Drew Gulak, and I'm not saying that that sarcastically. We don't see these guys on TV much. Uh, Mansoor, we saw in 205 a, a ton, but Drew Gulak, we don't see a lot at all. We don't really see him now. Really embracing his Philadelphia roots, Drew Gulak, I should say. A uh, fresh, really, really fresh match on Monday Night Raw because we don't really see this match up often on Raw. Mustafa Ali watching on backstage, uh, either in support, uh, I believe in support of Mansoor, but it, not in support of, yes, like, I'm, I'm here for you, but in a way of, like, uh, like oh, I want to see how this guy does. I think this guy could be good. I, I've been talking to him backstage. I've been giving him some unsolicited advice. You know, that, that type of idea for Mustafa Ali and Mansoor. Mansoor picks up the win after Gulak tried to use the tights. Mansoor is able to roll his way into his own advantage to pick up the win against Drew Gulak. Uh, Mustafa Ali, even backstage, this said prior to this match, that what, what are you going to do if Drew Gulak tries to play dirty and use the tights? Mansoor proving it right there to Drew Gulak. Mansoor could be a real, a real star in this main roster. Let's just hope WWE doesn't forget about him in a few weeks. 
Moving on to Kofi Kingston versus Riddle. Yes, both of them did compete in the Battle Royal to open the show. But either way, they once again, Kofi Kingston likes to wrestle two matches in one night. And here we go. He does it again. Riddle in control early. Uh, Francesca distraction from Kofi, uh, excuse me, from Xavier Woods. Ringside turns the tide in Kofi Kingston's favor. Randy Orton doesn't originally enter with Riddle as he tells Riddle backstage before this match that he'll see if he'll join him ringside. Orton does enter late, not in a mean way, but in in support of, of Riddle, especially after the distraction from Xavier Woods. Orton enters late to confront Woods and sends him into the announce table. Kingston sits on both Orton and Riddle on the outside. Yeah, when I say sits, he does that air sit move from you know from a springboard or from the top rope. I don't really no idea what to call it. It's like a backward clothesline as well. Very, very odd. I, I really have to find out that name of that move because it, to me it just looks like Kofi Kingston is sitting in the air and just lands on two people. So very odd. Uh, vintage Orton from Riddle, the the hanging, uh, excuse me, the draping DDT as Riddle does it, which is is Randy Orton's move. My favorite move from Orton is the um, the power slam, the, the the rotating power slam. That's that's my favorite move. But I'll take Vin- Vintage Orton any day, especially from Riddle, as he even does the head shake at some point, which is nice. Riddle tries to snake up, if you will. In uh, Orton's dismay, as Orton says to uh, not 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 mad that he's doing his move, but mad that he didn't pounce on uh, Kofi Kingston earlier uh, by letting Kofi Kingston breathe. Trouble in paradise for Kofi Kingston to pick up the win, and uh, Riddle obviously in defeat here. Randy Orton very upset at Riddle, but I don't think this is a dissension between the group. I think this is a learning and a growing experience between the two, Riddle and Randy Orton. And a good win there by by Kofi Kingston. And I feel like this loss doesn't really hurt Riddle at all. And this was what what's fantastic about having tag teams feud here in this case. This loss doesn't really hurt Riddle because if this feud was for a championship, yes, this, this hurts Riddle a ton. Because he proves he can't get the job done in, in that case. But this, this is, this, yes, obviously hurts in a way where it's like, ah, you couldn't win against one of the greatest tag teams of all time in the New Day. But it, it, it helps from a, a huge storyline perspective for Riddle. It really adds depth there. You know, it's going to show some character depth hopefully down the line. So, see, it helps. This is growing. This is, you want to grow somebody like Riddle. You don't put them in the title picture because that's not growing them. That's sort of like you're grinding them away, if anything. You're, you're trying to use them as much as possible in that sense where you're grinding them away in, in, in a championship division where they don't belong. Right now, they're still developing tag team. Put them in a feud for a little bit, like how they're doing with the New Day, which is fantastic. And, and you're sharpening their skills instead of grinding them away. So uh, I really, really am happy to see this. This One of the best things to be on Monday Night Raw right now is, is the RK-Bro and the New Day feud. It's really, really good. Really, really good. And, and will there ever be a payoff? Probably on an episode of Monday Night Raw, not on a pay-per-view. But uh, I guess that's sort of what we have to, to take in some ways. But... Uh, with, with the way WWE books. But either way, this is one of the best things they got going, and I really hope they don't mess it up. All right, move, that was our main event between Kofi Kingston and Riddle, but our main segment was Alexis Playground in ring, and this was with Shayna Baszler, as uh, Baszler has been feuding with Alexa Bliss for the past few weeks, and with the doll Lily. Yeah, of course, Alexa Bliss's uh, little doll. 
Of course, uh, as Shane and Baszler enter the ring, as Alexa Bliss is trying to, to be friends, uh, from a heel perspective, trying to be friends, uh, Shane and Baszler slams, da- slams down the rocking horse that's in the ring for the uh, playground set. Baszler refuses to apologize to Lily. Baszler grabs Lily and throws her on the ground and stomps Lily right in the mush. Uh, the Thunderdome glitches out and a fireball shoot up from the uh, the sides of the entrance ramp and you know huge fireballs from the ent- the entrance stage uh, as Baszler runs backstage. As Baszler runs backstage, things start to try to fall on her. As the lights flicker on and off, Baszler locks herself in a room. And she looks to a mirror, and behind her is the doll Lily. She kicks the mirror, breaking the mirror, shattering it. And uh, even still, as as she sits there in that room, the doll is still behind her. Production-wise, fantastic. Production-wise, let me be very, very clear here. From a production standpoint, as if you're you're watching from a, a, a like a movie to like from from on on screen, telling how they. They did all this fast motion, the camera movements and everything like that, the breaking of the mirror, uh, the, 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 the items almost falling on Shayna Baszler, everything like that. Very, very well done. Very, very well done. Very, very mythological, you know, very, very, what's the word for it? Mythology, mythological, there you go. Sometimes that's a tongue twister, especially after you're speaking after 30 minutes. Very, you know, something like that. And it felt, it felt very, very, very well put together. But from a storyline perspective, Shayna Baszler's feuding with a doll at the moment. Let's just let's just even remember Shayna Baszler's feuding with a doll, not with Alexa Bliss. Really, she Alexa Bliss didn't really want a feud. She's feuding with a doll, so that's my main bother here. Is that it's not with Alexa Bliss, it's with a doll. And yes, this doll doll has some ghostly powers, and that's understood. But. It, it, you're pushing a doll here and not Shayna Baszler who could literally kill somebody with her MMA skills, like an average person. I just want that to be clear here for everyone to understand. WWE is pushing a doll over Shayna Baszler who easily could be on the same playing field as Rhea Ripley right now for the Raw Women's Championship. In my eyes, for what she was able to do with NXT. It makes no sense to me. It really, really doesn't at all. And for that, I'm going to give this episode of Raw a C-, trending toward a, a D+. A lot of this stuff, some of the stuff on the show was not that bad, to be honest with you. But at the same time, like the Kofi Kicks in the Riddle match, that was probably the only thing that I really hang my hat on and said that was, that was pretty good. But everything else, not that good. Not that good. Not that good to bad. It's a C-, trending towards a D+. I really just don't want to give a D plus. Given the, there's a lot of things that are good with Raw. The production value is always great with Raw and the WWE. Never gonna deny that. You know, Riddle and and RK Bro and New Day. That's some good stuff right there. You know, WWE Championship. Even though it's getting stale with McIntyre and Lashley, we know we're getting towards the end of it. So that's what I'm sort of taking from that. So. And, and, and Nikki Cross is getting pushed to the moon. So, <laughs> I don't know what else we... Why are we even complaining? Nikki Cross is getting pushed to the moon. So, either way, you, you start taking away the grain of salt. Hell in the Cell's coming up. And you hope for the best. You hope the story lies pan out. But, I just... Nikki Cross. No, excuse me. Uh, um, Shannon Bates is feeding with a doll. And uh, Nikki Cross is getting pushed to the moon. So, <laughs> odd things in the Raw Women's Division. Odd things, but... 
Either way, things could be shaken up in, in in the beginning of the fall as the WWE draft is a, a reportedly approaching for the WWE. Very, very exciting. I give you some of my early draft predictions and also give you some on this day in pro wrestling history. So stick with us right here on the Daily DDT Podcast. On this day in pro wrestling history, on June 8th, 1997, WWF presented King of the Ring from the Providence Civic Center in Providence, Rhode Island. Hunter Hearst Helmsley defeated Mankind to win the 1997 King of the Ring tournament. Triple H was supposed to win the King of the Ring a year prior, but due to the curtain call incident at Madison Square Garden, Stone Cold Steve Austin went on to win in 96, starting the 316 era. Some things are just meant to happen all right with the wwe draft reportedly approaching and uh, it's supposed to be approaching in late august early september according to the Matman podcast and andrew zarian he has been right in the past and uh, i'm sticking to it i want to give you some early draft predictions on what could happen what superstars could we see move from one brand to another and all all five of these names i have here are all big names in the world of the WWE. Not talking about anything little, you know, not, not talking about Archer making his way to SmackDown or anything like that, which could be pretty big given that you're moving the 24-7 title around, moving that over to SmackDown, which you've seen only on Monday Night Raw, but, you know, Raw needs the 24-7 title to fill the three hours of, of, a, of a time slot, so, you know, keep, keep, keep it over there on Raw, why not? But I want to go through a few. I have uh, two... Uh, female stars, I have two male stars, and, uh, well, I have three male stars, but one of those male stars, I think, is going to be headed up to the main roster from NXT around that time as well, uh, but no spoilers just yet, but let's start off with uh, the females first. Sasha Banks, I think she's going to make the switch from Friday Night Smackdown over to Monday Night Raw. Why do I say this? Well, she's been off TV for quite some time. Ever since WrestleMania, she had her match against Bianca Belair, losing the SmackDown Women's Championship uh, over to uh, Bianca Belair. Sasha Banks obviously off TV since then, uh, taking a well-deserved time off ever since uh, she's been grinding all the way through the pandemic. Now I think she comes back. I think she will return to uh, SmackDown first. I think she will have a match at SummerSlam against Bianca Belair in a rematch for the uh, WWE uh, SmackDown Women's Championship. Uh, I think that that will be the match for Bianca Belair at SummerSlam. And Bianca Belair will retain that retainmentship. Will allow Sasha Banks now to have really no more storyline left to tell with Bianca Belair. On SmackDown, have her head over to Monday Night Raw, help boost the division that's desperately in need of it, uh, as right now it only stands with Charlotte Flair and Rhea Ripley, and Asuka sort of not really in the swing of things anymore. I guess Nikki Cross is involved now, as we've been talking about in before the break. So I think Sasha Banks could be a huge boost to Monday Night Raw. I think she really would add a lot and would add some new storytelling to to Monday Night Raw that hasn't been seen in a while given that Banks hasn't been there, I believe, in two years. Moving on to our next female star, 
Charlotte Flair. Oh yeah, let's make let's switch things up here. And I think you can see what I'm sort of doing here. Charlotte Flair makes her way to Friday Night SmackDown after Bianca Belair defeats Sasha Banks. She really has no one else to really go after because she would have gone after Bailey. She would have already gone after Sasha Banks of of course due to WrestleMania and hopefully the SummerSlam prediction being becoming true. And now uh, that's two out of four four horsewomen. Might as well go for number three, and that would be Charlotte. Flair make her way over to SmackDown. Charlotte Flair and Bianca Belair, they could have a long-lasting feud that could last all the way from Survivor Series down to WrestleMania. I think they could go the distance, go run all three major pay-per-views, have a title change in there. Uh, why not? I think they could run that for a long, long time between Charlotte Flair and Bianca Belair. I think that could be really, really something nice to see for the SmackDown Women's Division, especially now that's been stripped down pretty thin. That, that whole women's division in SmackDown due to, to cuts. But uh, I think they could run that for quite some time, Charlotte Flair and, and, and Bianca Belair. You talk about, you know, it's trying to spread, spread something. You could spread that for a while. You know, you talk about the the, uh, the legit new era. And I know Rhea Ripley is great, but Bianca Belair is, a, is the new face of the entire women's division uh, going forward. She's the new era. She, she, she is what? The, the new era of women's wrestling in the WWE is not Rhea Ripley. She, it's Bianca Belair, undoubtedly. She main evented at WrestleMania, in my mind, you know, after night one. Also, after winning that, that women's uh, Royal Rumble. I, I think her and Charlotte Flair going at it, you know, the two queens pretty much going at it, I, I think it would be great to see. So, have Charlotte Flair head over to SmackDown. Sasha Banks heads over to Monday Night Raw. You get some great storytelling there. You know, you're sort of trading the two pretty much. It's, it's, that's a huge trade. And you, you get, and, and for similar value, it's not like you're losing anything from either person, from either show, given that you're, you're swapping two of the greatest WWE women's wrestlers of all time. You're swapping the two, and, and you get to to boost up those those women wrestlers that, that, that need it at the moment, given that the storytelling has sort of become stale. All right, moving over to the male side. And this is sort of just to get people back into the swing of things. I think that might be very, very uh, uh, pun intended, if you will, for Cesaro. I think he'll head over to Monday Night Raw. I obviously can't really do much on on uh, SmackDown much longer. He's feuded with Seth Rollins for who knows how long. And obviously now with uh, Roman Reigns, uh, he him losing to Roman Reigns, can't really get back into that universal title picture. Have him head over to Monday Night Raw. He'll find his way into hopefully a WWE Championship title picture. Uh, and even if it's in a tri- triple threat like match with you know somebody else, yeah, I think that's a win for him in his book. I think he already had his big moment of the year. With him going up against uh, Roman Reigns. If it gets anything bigger than that. It's probably him winning the United States Championship. Off of Sheamus. So Cesaro. You know. And having those two go at the, in the, you know, the bar type of uh, feud. You know. Those two coming back at each other once again. So Cesaro. I think he could get back into. Once again. Back into the swing of things. After he finishes with his arm injury. And he and finishes. Uh. So selling that off after the attack he had from from Seth Rollins. Once he finishes that feud, hopefully that that feud ends maybe at SummerSlam or or Money in the Bank, and uh, I'll I'll be happy to see uh, some some Cesaro work here on, on Monday Night Raw after SummerSlam. 
Moving on to uh, who I think SmackDown is going to take from the male division. Well, Keith Lee, he hasn't been used at all on Monday Night Raw, and I think there's no better way to re- re- uh, rejuvenize somebody than having them move in the draft because you sort of give them a fresh start and no better way to move them over than to move them over to SmackDown. And why not have him go for the Universal Championship against uh, Roman Reigns? No better person. No better person. To, to have him go against then Roman Reigns. Because he doesn't have to win. And he still looks great. We all know Roman Reigns is going to be. He's going to win. But what Roman Reigns does so, so, so well. Is that even when these guys are in defeat. Like Kevin Owens and Cesaro. You know, even when. And Daniel Bryan. Even when these guys are in defeat. They look so much better afterwards. After going through a long, long-term story. And a three-month feud with somebody like Roman Reigns. Keith Lee is. There's no better person to have you be re, reutilized than with Roman Reigns and Paul Heyman and the Usos. Get run through all that. Run through all that. Go main event a couple episodes of SmackDown against a couple of the Usos. You know, start a feud with Paul Heyman and Roman Reigns. It's gonna be great. It's gonna be great. I, I can see it now. You, you have Paul Heyman talk about you're supposed to be, you know, the, the limitless Keith Lee. We all saw what you did on NXT. They had no 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 fear talking about NXT and stuff like that over there on SmackDown and with Paul Heyman. You know, we, we all saw what you were able to do, winner of both the NXT uh, championship and the North American Championship at the same time. And, and you come to the main, you come up to Friday Night SmackDown and, and, and to Monday Night Raw. And what have you done? Absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing. What have you done? I think there's no better person for Keith Lee to start going up against to to finally get 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 something rolling at least. I'm not talking about winning the Universal Championship here because obviously WWE does not want to put a belt on him any in some way. Shape, no, not at all. They don't they don't want to do that at all. But now Keith Lee, put him over to SmackDown, get him some love over there, put him in a feud with Roman Reigns, and then after that comes out of that feud so much better for it you can put the intercontinental championship on him you can put him in the feud with big e on smackdown you could do a lot of things a lot of things with keith lee you could you could it's it, limitless limitless is is almost what you could say for keith lee and and yes pun intended of course for both cesar and keith lee could have been the swing of things and, it, and they have limitless opportunities on both their respective shows that they move in that direction all right and one more prediction i have for you uh, moving up to the main roster after SummerSlam, Finn Balor. I think he can find his way back to the main roster. Uh, there's been some talks of it in the past. WWE has been calling for his name for quite some time. He had a great run in NXT, NXT Champion, and uh, now back with that title with Karrion Cross. Uh, Finn Balor off TV as they go through a Fatal Five Way match at In Your House, uh, and whoever comes out of that. I think it's going to be Karrion Cross, but whoever comes out looking the strongest, I think could be in you know, a long-term story with Karrion Cross after that. Finn Balor, I think his time, even even though he'll always find something to do in NXT, there always will be there something for him because that's how NXT works. Even that's even of bringing up a, a younger guy that that needs it. Finn Balor could definitely be the 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 guy that pushes that. Um, I think his time is sort of, I'm not saying running stale, but running slow for, for Finn Balor to win any more accolades or anything of that nature. So bring him out to the main roster, see how it goes. I, I'm not saying whether it's Raw or SmackDown. I know Raw has been calling for him a lot to get back involved. And obviously he's, he's way better served in NXT as a lot of people are better served in NXT. 
But I think he's going to be the next guy to get called up. Just also given the fact he's been off TV for quite some time. So going back, making making the, the rounds once again. Uh, Sasha Banks to Monday Night Raw. Charlotte Flair to SmackDown. Pretty much in a trade for, for two stars. Two of the top women in, in professional wrestling today. Have them switch brands. I think that'll be fine. Cesaro to get back into the swing of things on Monday Night Raw. Uh, Keith Lee with his options is limitless on Friday Night SmackDown. And Finn Balor to come up to the main roster. I think those five could be a, a real, real game changer uh, for WWE. Just to look at those five names, the two of those in the women's division changed women two women's divisions as a whole on both brands, and then Cesaro and Keith Lee uh, get you know finally reinvigorated back to where they belong at the top of both of their respective cards. And Finn Balor, you know, get an opportunity once again at the main roster, even though the first time didn't go too well, still won the Universal Championship. So, you know, what are you going to do? That's all for me. You can catch this podcast on all your favorite providers. Make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts so you never miss an episode. And remember, you can ask your smart device to play the Daily DDT Podcast. If you like content like this, check out our writers at DailyDDT.com. And if you want to hear more from me, give me a follow on Twitter and Instagram at Jaden Becker TV. I'll see you tomorrow with another episode of the Daily DDT Podcast.